You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Tonight we're beginning a brand new series, a brand new series called Better Now. Better Now, with the subtitle, God's Way of Navigating Relationships Today. And so for the whole month of February, we're going to be talking about relationships Tonight begins part one of part two, uh, part one of a two-part focus on friendships. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about friendships. Then the week after that, we're going to be talking about family relationships. And then we're going to end our series. Uh, Pastor Claire and I are going to co-preach a message called 10 Things About Dating No One Will Tell You. So we got some dating advice for you. So make sure you're back here for that. I know you're looking at me. You're like, Eric, you're as old as dirt. Like, what do you know about dating? I know a thing or two. So make sure you're here. Make sure you're here. We're going to talk about dating. It's going to be really fun. But honestly, honestly, the reason we titled it Better Now is because we want you guys, and we believe God wants you to have better relationships now, better friendships now, better families now, better dating relationships Now, and so today, today, the title of my message is this, Seven Things Great Friends Do. And this applies to all of us. It actually doesn't matter what generation you're in. Every one of us needs friendships. And so today is Seven Things Great Friends Do. Now, I know two things about you. I know two things about every single one of you in this room. The two things I know about you are this. Number one, you value intentionality. And number two, You need friendships. You value intentionality and you need friendships. What do I mean by that? Number one, let's talk about value intentionality. You value intentionality. Here's what I mean. You you want your Starbucks barista. How many of you like Starbucks? Raise your hand if you like Starbucks. I know some of you are gonna hate me after this. Raise your hand if you just if you don't like like those little random pop-up coffee shops and you would just rather go to Starbucks. Is there any of my people out there that are just wow? Thank you, thank you, Adrian. I'm the only one. I'm just all about the rewards points and star. I love Starbucks. So, so fill in the blank, whatever your favorite coffee shop is, you want your coffee barista to be intentional with making your drink right, right? Like we've all had those, we've all gotten a drink that we realize, man, this is not what I ordered. What about this? You want your winter formal date, you want your winter formal date to be intentional about buying that corsage or having the matching tie. Have any of you ladies told the guy what color tie to get and then he got a different color and you're like, you don't understand how that threw everything off, right? Right? You want your date to be intentional about that. What about this? You want your teacher, you want your teacher to be intentional as they grade your papers, right? Especially if you're putting hard work into it, you want them to be intentional. What about this? How many of you have ever been in an Uber before? Raise your hand if you've ever been in an Uber or a Lyft or something like that. Raise your hand if you've ever been on an airplane. Anyone ever been on an airplane? Okay, this one hits home, right? If you've ever been on an airplane, you want your pilot to be intentional with flying that plane correctly. Am I right? A A few years ago, several years ago, my wife Sarah and I were flying. Several years ago, Sarah and I were flying from Louisiana 
to Dallas and then Dallas back to LA. And on the flight from Louisiana to Dallas, there was crazy turbulence. It was awful, you guys. And we were in a really small airplane where I was sitting right here. Sarah, there was only two seats and then an aisle and then one seat, really small airplane. And so, and there's, you know, maybe only, you know, 30 rows or whatever. And so we're sitting there and all of a sudden there starts to get turbulence. And raise your hand if you like turbulence. Where are my turbulence people out? Okay, raise your hand if you, you assume you're gonna die. You become a strong Christian when there's turbulence. Okay, so... That's the difference between Sarah and I, okay? I love turbulence. Sarah, she's already a strong Christian, but she goes, you know, Mother Teresa during turbulence. Like, she's, she's, you know, really scares her. So we're flying, and she's a teacher at this time, and she's grading papers. She has a stack of about 50 papers. She's grading papers. All of a sudden, there's this crazy drop, this crazy turbulence. And no joke, Sarah grabs her papers and goes, ah, and throws them in the air, and they're flying everywhere. I mean, it was hilarious. They're flying everywhere. And so I'm trying to kind of pick them up. And then all of a sudden there's another drop and she didn't have anything to throw. So literally she starts praying louder than anyone should pray. I'm sorry, there's, there's a volume limit in public settings. Sarah is like, come Lord Jesus right now, please Lord Jesus, save us all. Come Lord Jesus, if we're gonna, if we're gonna die, pray. And I'm like, babe, you have to stop. Like, I'm sorry, I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian. Stop praying like that. Like I, everyone is freaking out around you. You see, you, you, you wish, you hope, that whoever's driving your car, maybe it's your parents or an Uber or even a pilot, you're hoping that they are intentional. But not only do you value intentionality, but you need friendships. National Geographic, they did some research on teenagers' brains, revealing that they receive a higher neurological reward when feeling acceptance, belonging, and connection with peers. Get this. Teens' brains have a special sensitivity to dopamine and oxytocin, both neural hormones that fire during social interactions. Our brains respond to peer exclusion, someone not inviting us, someone unfollowing us, someone posting something that they know is kind of jabbed at us to remind us we're not a part of that group. We respond to peer exclusion the same way they respond to threats to physical health or a lack of food. In other words, this is crazy. This is just science here. Social rejection is a threat to our existence. It's why Henry Cloud, who he's, he's a therapist, he, he said this. Let's go to the next slide. He said, the brain needs three things to survive. The brain needs three things to survive. Glucose, which is sugar. Which when I read that, I was like, Sometimes I get down to myself for eating sugar. It's, in, it's biological. Like, I just need the thing. Anyway, anyway. Sugar. Oxygen. And relationships. They've done brain scans of people who had a deficit of relationships or who lacked social interactions. And they're literally able to see dark spots on their brains. You see, we need relationships. We need friendships at a deep level. The reality is this, great friendships don't just happen, they are intentionally built. Which is why I say you value intentionality and you need friendships. And the best kind of situation is when you have intentional friendships. Now, why does wisdom matter? Why, why does it matter that we talk about this? Because in the year 2023, we are more informed about what's going on in the world than any generation has ever existed before. Not only that, but we can Google and do chat GPT and find out all kinds of things about anything that we are curious about. 
So we have all the information in the world, and yet we are still capable of being utterly stupid and doing utterly stupid things. In other words, in other words, even in the presence of infinite information, we can still have the absence of wisdom. So even though you could Google, what makes a great friend? How do I find friends? How do I keep friends? Even though you could get all this information, there are still so many of us who are living lonely. You see, wisdom, wisdom. And there's a whole section of the Bible that talks about wisdom. Wisdom answers the question, how is life best lived? That's what wisdom is after. How is life best lived? Or maybe what is the best thing to do? Now, as I begin this message, I really want to invite you to to experience it as kind of like uh, a mirror that you're looking into. The temptation is going to be, as I'm talking about what great friends do, that you would think, yeah, yeah, I want a friend like that. Yeah, yeah, how can I make my friends like that? Yeah, 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 how can I find friends like that? And instead, I want to encourage you to resist that temptation, but instead, to ask yourself this question. How can I become that kind of friend? Instead of looking, and this is natural for all of us, that when we hear uh, uh, most messages, we think, how does this apply to somebody else? But I want to encourage you to, to process how can this apply to me? So let's jump in together. Seven things great friends do. Seven things great friends do. Number one is this. You're filling the blanks. You'll see them. Number one is this. Great friends are committed to each other. We're going to be using the book of Proverbs for this entire message. Great friends are committed to each other. Proverbs 18 verse 24 says this. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. When um, my wife Sarah and I were first joining a, uh, a young married life group, when we first got married, we were paired with this group of people that, honestly, we didn't feel very connected to. And maybe that's been some of your experience, that you've gotten into life groups of people that live in a different city, that go to a different school, that come from a different background than you, that have different cultural experiences than you do. And you might be tempted to think, well, I don't have a lot in common with them, or I'm not around them all the time, or we're so different. I remember feeling, both my wife Sarah and I, we felt that same way when we joined this first life group. But I remember us consciously making a decision. We are going to commit to these people. That even though right now we don't feel like best friends that it wasn't just like all natural chemistry. We are going to commit to these people. And what happened was amazing. They became our best friends. And it's not because we have everything in common or because we had all the same upbringing, but because we committed to each other. You see, the scripture says you could have a kind of friendship with a person that feels almost like a brother or a sister, like a family member that sticks with you through thick and thin. You want to have that kind of friendship. You want to be that kind of person. You've got to make a commitment to show up. This is why you being here on Wednesday nights is so incredibly important. Because just your presence here is showing your life group when you meet in a few minutes, is showing your life group that you care enough about them to show up. And you may have thought, man, I I just come to HSM for me. But what if there could be two reasons? What if you came to HSM, yes, for you to have an encounter with God, to grow in your relationship, to hang out, to have a good time, but what if you were also showing up for somebody else? Have you ever thought about that, that your presence in your life group makes a difference? 
This is why you gotta show up, and this is why you got to be consistent. Sometimes I talk with students who are inconsistent in HSM, and they say, I just don't feel connected. I don't feel like I'm friends with anybody. And I'll gently ask them, I'll say, when was the last time you were here? And they'll say, well, six months ago. And I'm like, okay. Consistency matters. You see, when you choose to be committed to somebody else, you're saying to them, no matter what happens, I ain't going nowhere. I'm here to stay. That's what great friends do. Number two, great friends are trustworthy. Number two, great friends are trustworthy. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. I love that the scripture talks about gossip and it talks about it often. Because the reality is gossip, in other words, somebody shares something with you, you break their confidence by going and talking to other people about it. Gossip is poison. And the thing about poison is it spreads. And even as I talk about gossip right now, I know that almost every single one of you have, had the, have been on the receiving end of somebody else gossiping about you. And it's the worst, isn't it? It's deadly. It's devastating. It's poisonous. And just like all poison, it's spread. It's why I believe that gossip is one of Satan's favorite poisons. It's one of his favorite things to do in our lives because it creates division, because it destroys what God desires when the reality is we are called to be trustworthy people. Scripture says great friends are those who can hear somebody else's secret. And again, I'm not talking, I say this often, if somebody shares with you that they are gonna hurt themselves or they're gonna hurt somebody else, it is your obligation to tell an adult. It's your obligation to tell me, to tell one of your life group leaders, to tell your parents. So I'm not talking about that kind of secret. But I'm talking about someone sharing with you something they're struggling with. Something that, that hurt them. Something they're going through. You want to be the kind of person that can hold that. That can be trusted with that. You see, gossip. Gossip will build a connection quickly. I think we have this up on a slide. Gossip builds a connection quickly, but it will crumble faster. Trustworthiness builds a connection slowly, but it will last forever. See, one of the reasons we gossip is because almost immediately you feel this connection with the person because you're sharing a secret that really isn't yours to share. And all of a sudden you guys have this thing, but can I tell you something? That connection is counterfeit. It's not real. It's not good. It's not healthy. But the kind of connection God desires for you on is one that's based in trustworthiness. Whereas you're sharing with your friends and your friends are sharing with you that you are a trusted person, that you can trust that it's going to stay there. That kind of connection, that's one that lasts forever. Number three, great friends address conflict, not avoid it. Great friends address conflict, not avoid it. Proverbs 27 verse six says, wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. That's such an interesting verse. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. In the year 2023, we are so quick. As soon as somebody offends us, what do we do? We cancel them. We block them. We distance ourselves from them. We call them toxic. We say, you're a harmful person to be around. 
We live in this cultural moment where we are so quick to respond to somebody offending us or challenging us or raising a conviction to us or pointing out an area of our lives where we are not following Jesus and we immediately interpret that as you're invading on my individualism. You're invading on my privacy. I can do whatever I want. You are harming me. You are challenging me. But the scriptures say that's actually good. That if somebody, if a true friend is, is wounding you for your growth and for your betterment, that's actually a good thing. But an enemy multiplies kisses. See, an enemy will just tell you what you want to hear all the time. And you don't need that. You, in fact, need something better than that. You see, great friends master the art of addressing issues instead of avoiding them. When you have, not if you have a conflict with a friend, but when you have a conflict with a friend coming up, can I beg you, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, to follow Jesus' teaching and to go directly to that person. The temptation is to post about them on Instagram or to talk to everyone else and avoid the actual person that you have an issue with. Now, I'm not saying it's not good to get wisdom and advice from people. In fact, that's why you have life group leaders. That's why you have spiritual grandparents. That's why you have adults in your life, mentors, people who you can say, hey, I'm struggling with an issue with this friend. Can you give me some advice on it? That's great. But you know when you're going and talking with people not to get their advice, but to sort of make you feel better about avoiding addressing it. You see, great friends, they address conflict. They don't avoid it. Pastor Glenn always talks about this, this leadership principle. I love it. He says, you know, if, if you see some kind of like, like a fire, a conflict happening in a situation, that you can carry one of two buckets with you. You could carry a bucket of gasoline and pour it on that fire and make it worse, or you could pour on it instead a bucket of water and help resolve that conflict, help bring reconciliation. I want to ask you to seriously evaluate that when, when you find yourself in moments of conflict where there's tension between friends, are you quick to dump gasoline on the fire and make it worse, or are you quick to put water on that fire and to help bring Resolution. Number four, great friends make each other better. Great friends make each other better. Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This is what's so cool. Did you know that God doesn't just want you to grow? God doesn't just want you to grow, He wants to use you to help others grow. Yes, of course, God wants you to grow in your relationship with God, but God wants to use you to grow. In fact, it's possible that God wants to speak to you tonight through the person you're going to be sitting next to in life group. That it's possible God wants to speak to the person sitting next to you through you. You see, great friends, they, they, they make each other better. The image here is of iron sharpening iron that, that the knife can't get sharpened. The knife can't become more what it was created and designed to become without another willing to help it. You see, I, I, I just got to say here, I know we're, we're not into the dating talk yet, and so I'll save most of my dating advice until the end of the week or until the end of the month. But if you're dating somebody, 
If you're dating somebody, if you're boyfriend or girlfriend with somebody who doesn't know Jesus and you know Jesus, you are not going to be iron sharpening iron. That it ain't a good thing. And I know you're like, no, 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 Harry Styles said we're going to be together forever. No, you're not. Most likely, you're not. And so I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to really seriously think about this, to say, is the girlfriend or boyfriend in my life, are they making me more like Christ? And that only happens when two Christians are together. And I'm not advocating for dating, so don't tell your parents, Eric said we should date. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if your parents approve it, if you're already doing it, date somebody who knows Jesus. And if they don't know Jesus, break up with them. Okay, got awkward. Here we go. All right, next one. Next word. I'm sorry. Come back next week, please. All right. <laughs> Number five. Number five. Great friends, great friends use their words wisely. Great friends use their words wisely. Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Great friends are very intentional about the words they use. One of Sarah and I's rules in our marriage, and it applies to our friendships as well, one of the rules in our marriage is there are certain words we avoid saying. In fact, we've actually outlawed them in our marriage, and we call each other on them if we do them, but we've outlawed them in our marriage, and we try to outlaw them in our friendships. And the two words are this, never and always. Because they're just not true. If you say to somebody, you never, it's not true. If you say you always, it's not true. Those are attacking words. Those are meant to hurt. Those are reckless words that pierce like a sword. Instead, I want to encourage you to be generous with your words. To be loving, encouraging, comforting, supportive with your words. To think very seriously about your words. I was listening to a speech therapist once talk about that miraculous moment when, when a child is given ear implants or some kind of surgery that enables them to hear for the very first time. And oftentimes the very first words they'll hear are those by their parents. And the speech therapist was talking about how whenever parents have that moment where they're about to speak in a way that their child will be able to hear them for the very first time without instructions, parents always say the same thing. They always say the child's name. They always identify who they are. And they say, I love you. So for example, Lucy, I'm your dad. I love you. I thought how powerful would it be if we took so seriously just those three simple reminders that, that we constantly reminded the friends in our life who they are. I don't mean like, like when I see Lexi, I'm like, Lexi, right? Like she doesn't need me to say her name. She knows that. Think deeper with me. Think deeper with me. What I'm saying is this. What if when we saw each other, we said, this is who you are. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of the king. You're loved. You're valuable. You're forgiven. 
And then what if we reminded them, hey, I'm here and I love you, but, but I'm gonna remind you of who your heavenly dad is, who your heavenly father is. I'm gonna point you to Jesus. And I'm gonna remind you that he loves you and I love you. Can you imagine? Imagine if you had a friend like that. Imagine if you were a friend like that. You can't control other people, but you can control yourself. What if you said, tomorrow, when I walk by people, I'm gonna tell them who they are. And it may be weird. You know, Ryder and I will see each other or whatever. And I'm just like, Ryder, man of God. And he's like, creepy, right? Like, (laughs) I get it. It could be weird. It could be weird. But I'm saying, what if? What if when we got around each other, we said, hey, Ryder, I just wanna remind you, dude, Jesus Christ died for you and he loves you. What if we were those kinds of friends for each other? Number six, great friends forgive and rebuild. Great friends forgive and rebuild. Proverbs 17 verse nine says, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. You will be hurt by somebody really close to you. And I guarantee it's already happened for all of you at some point. And I hate to report it, but it's going to keep happening. People you love are going to let you down. Probably this week. Somebody you care about is going to hurt your feelings. Is going to say a comment they thought was funny, but really wounded you. Something's going to happen that's going to trigger you, that's going to hurt you. And I want to invite you to choose forgiveness. You could choose resentment or you could choose forgiveness. Um, a, a few weeks ago, I was preaching in main service and I had talked about forgiveness a little bit towards the end of my sermon. And at the end of one of the services, a guy here at Purpose, a, a, a guy named Todd came up to me and he had tears in his eyes. And he said, Eric, when you were talking about forgiveness, it reminded me of my mom. He said, my mom passed away a few years ago. And moments before she passed away, she pulled me close. And she said three things to me. And then she passed away. She said three final things to me. And then she died. And here's what she said. Todd, forgive, forgive everyone. Forgive everyone. Forgive everyone. She could have said three different things, but she said three things, the exact same thing. Forgive everyone. Take advice from this woman who lived a long life. And when she was looking at her son to summarize the one thing she wanted him to know was this, forgive everyone and choose to rebuild. Number seven, great friends draw each other out. Great friends draw each other out. Proverbs 20 verse five, the purpose of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. See, here's the beauty of friendship. Great friends 
can actually help you realize things you couldn't realize on your own. Great friends can help you realize things about yourself that you didn't even see in yourself. One of the greatest gifts that you can give someone is a picture of themselves, a picture of how God sees them, a picture of how you see them that they, for some reason, cannot see for themselves. So here's what I want you to do. I have a challenge for you. I have two challenges for you. And we're gonna take like a 30 seconds here. Here's my challenge. My challenge for you is this. I want you to circle one of the seven things great friends do that you think you need to work on. So I want you to look at that list of seven. You have them all filled out now. I want you to ask yourself, and if you missed one of the fill in the blanks, it's written at the bottom. I want you to, I want you to take 30 seconds here. I want you to ask yourself, which of these seven because sometimes it can be overwhelming to think about the seven. Just think about one. Which one of these seven do you personally need to work on? And I want you to circle that. And then if you're really bold, here's what I want you to do. I want you tonight in life group or after to ask a Christian friend or your life group leader to pick one of the seven things great friends do that they think you need to work on. And then you'll have two circled. And I wanna invite you to pray and say, God, help me in these two areas. In fact, maybe one of the best things you could do as a life group is start by going around the room and saying, which one did you circle and why? What an awesome thing to, to be able to share vulnerably with each other. Hey, this is the one I'm not that great at. This is the one I think I need to work on. And then if you're really bold, open it up and say, is there one that you guys think I need to work on? Um, to wrap up.